0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good to see everybody here this evening. My voice is a little rough, so I don't plan on doing a whole lot of talking tonight. But um, what I'd like to talk about, I've got a, a sort of two things. Uh, one illustration is the fact that I don't have a PowerPoint. I don't have um, the normal stuff that I have. You know how I normally do this. Um, and I want to share with you a little story in addition to that, or a little illustration. It says, the uh, story goes like this. After a violent storm one night, A large tree, which over the years had become a stately giant, was found laying across the pathway in a park. Nothing but a splintered stump was left. Uh, Closer examination showed that it was rotten at the core because thousands of tiny insects had eaten away at its heart. The weakness of that tree was not brought on by the sudden storm. It had begun the very moment that first insect nested within its bark. The reason why I don't have a bunch of stuff here is I decided that tonight to illustrate purity, sometimes purity is removing all the additional stuff, right? And uh, tonight I'm going to rely, like I did uh, many years ago, on just speaking and the Word of God. Um, this is all to illustrate the text verse for this evening, which is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, I'd recommend you get them out and turn with me because there won't be anything on the screen. That verse, Matthew 5, verse 8, says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This idea of purity of heart's been on my mind lately, mainly because the idea of purity is ridiculed in the world right now. And I was dealing with uh, Ethan about a particular issue, and it has to do with devices and, you know, the, the garbage that that stuff brings into your home, despite your best efforts to keep it out. I'm not saying Ethan was getting into anything i'm just saying we were talking about how to prevent that and why i limit devices of any kind in our house because in the world's point of view when you talk about being pure you're automatically labeled as self-righteous aren't you they say oh you think you're better than me Um, they say you're old-fashioned that the world has progressed to a point where the ideas that we have they're archaic and they like to say these days they're part of the patriarchy which is just a way of saying I'm an imbecile and they say that um, to be pure is to be repressed in other words you can't be pure and live your best life you can't get out there and enjoy life you've only got one life to live you'd better do the things that make you feel good and make you happy right that's what the world says and then there are also those who say well purity is simply impossible if your standard is what we see in the Bible. The world says instead, look to the people of the world. There's a, I only listen to talk radio. If you ride with me, you may notice I don't ever have the radio on. It's because I can't stand secular music anymore. I wasn't that way once upon a time. But all I listen to is Christian talk radio and sometimes political talk radio. On the political side, there's this guy, don't know who he is. The commercial's been playing for years now and he's talking about musicians. Artists and he says they're some of the most worldly people he knows and for him that's a selling point He's talking about how you're gonna have real interesting conversations with these people. They're worldly and I always sit there and I'm like Worldly he probably described them perfectly, right? Impure is the things that they're talking about, but the world says these people have been around They say they're streetwise they uh, the world says that we're to pursue pleasure Convenience is lauded. How many people do you know that were pleased when COVID came and the churches shut down? Happened right at Easter. It's probably the only Easter in our country's history that, by and large, was ignored and not celebrated. It was 2020. Their convenience um, for not having to go to worship. We know it was a matter of convenience and not a matter of... Um, Much else, because long after the threat of COVID was gone, there are still many churches that are not meeting in person. Filth is in. Think about the music, the videos, the books, the movies, the magazines, the language, the clothing, you name the medium, and there is a raunchy, coarse version of it that is considered risque, provocative, pushing the boundary, and therefore, it's better than everything else. Isn't that the way the world is now? That's what they say. It's considered enlightened. That's just, that bothers me so much because this is the world in which we live. And so I thought about this purity of heart. What did Jesus say? He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I want to talk a little bit. I've only got two points tonight, and they're going to be quick. What makes a heart pure? Well, we know that first and foremost, it's the power of the Holy Spirit within us, right? We cannot be pure on our own. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. I want to establish that right away. That is not what we're talking about tonight, though. Because we do all these things through the power of the Holy Spirit, or do we? We do have the ability to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we also have choice. And this is one of the areas that... um, Why I disagree so much with Calvinism, it's not just because of the salvation issue, it is because God has given us choice and your purity, the level to which God and the Holy Spirit can work through you is going to be determined by your choices, including after you are saved. So let's look at a couple of examples. I found some examples of men in the Bible who exhibit different traits of what you're going to see in a person who has a pure heart and what you can do to maintain a pure heart. First of all, obedience. We see that in Abraham. Hebrews 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. You see, obedience is not something that you do when you agree with it. Obedience is what you do even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't seem to match what's going on. Despite our best efforts to obey, however, we're going to fail from time to time. And so purity of heart requires repentance. We see that in David. Psalm 51 verses 1 through 4, Have mercy upon me, O God. This is David praying for forgiveness after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness, according unto the multitude of thy mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. This verse, I would say, comes to my, that verse 4, that comes to my mind probably more often than just about any other verse in the Bible. I'm not saying it's my favorite verse. I'm just saying it always comes to my mind. You know why? Because our life is filled with the consequence of sin. You cannot get away from it. Despite your best efforts, you will sin. And you're going to have to repent to get right with God. But the key thing to remember is, you know, sometimes... We don't repent or we do things because we see ourselves as sinning against people or governments. You know, you might steal from a story you don't like, for example, and you figure they deserve it, they can afford it. We hear that all the time with the rioting and the looting going on, right? But the truth is, against God and God only have I sinned. And I think about that, and I say those words whenever I ask God to forgive me of something because we have to understand that a pure heart One that is right with God, not one that's right with other men. Part of that may be getting right with other men, but we have to understand that we have to repent. And remember, David was a man after God's own heart. This is a reality. Some people, I think, actually fool themselves. They don't necessarily repent or admit to sin in their life because they're ashamed of it, and they figure if they don't think about it enough, it won't cement itself in their mind that they're sinning. And therefore, they don't ever have to repent and be ashamed. Have you ever experienced that in your life? I have. There are times in my life where I've not thought too hard about a question because if I did, it might mean that I'd have to stop doing it. I remember my granddad telling me one time that he used to dip. All the men in my family have always dipped. And, uh, but he quit, and he told me one time, he said, Brian, I wouldn't have ever believed I could quit that. I was addicted to it if I hadn't come to the conclusion it was a sin. For him, he came to decide that it was sinful, and therefore he was able to quit. But all that time before, he said, I refuse to acknowledge it as that, and so I carried on with it. You see how it works. Repentance is something that you have to think about, you have to understand. It is a natural response to those times we don't obey. A pure heart is also devoted. If you're devoted then you're committed if you aren't committed fully to God then here's the dirty little secret you're not committed at all you have no devotion at all or you have full devotion that's a hard thing there is no such thing as partial devotion Genesis 524 we see Enoch it says Enoch walked with God meaning he lived a righteous life that was pleasing to God he sought God he sought to obey him And then he was not, for God took him. You know what this means? This means that God responds to devotion. Imagine that Enoch was so devoted that God took him. Now, God's not subject to the same manifestation of emotion that we are, but I kind of like to imagine in my head, just for myself, that God liked what he saw so much. He's like, I can't wait for him to die. I'm going to take him now. Of course, we know he's got other plans for Enoch, potentially, and prophecy. There's all these things and, that you can go into. I'm aware of all that. This is just me thinking about God and how he responds to devotion. Even though the world, your friends, your peers, or whoever, may not notice or place any value on the purity that you seek in life, and make no mistake, they will not. Even though they don't see it, they don't see its value, Know that God does, and when he sees it, he gets involved in your life and supernaturally preserves you. That is the story of Enoch. That's the mark of a pure heart, one of them. Another one is zeal. We see this in Phineas, Numbers 25, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read this, because if I don't, (coughs) the one verse won't make any sense. Starting in verse 1, we're going to read through 11. 11. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they weren't allowed to intermingle and intermarry and interworship with these people. And they called the people under the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. That's how it always happens. Listen, young people. Whoever you mingle with, you will pick up their habits. Don't say that I believe that I have to go out into the filth to reach them. That is not anywhere in this Bible. You already are in the filth. And praise God, it's not as dirty where you are maybe. But you don't go submerge yourself in it with them. No, you reach the hand down, come out. But you do not go where they are. You do not participate in what they're doing because the result is always the same. You will call unto their gods. You will bow down to them. You will eat with them. You will become like them. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Verse 3, And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Look what the Lord does when we do this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. He said, kill them all. That's the God we serve. That's his initial reaction. Praise God, we have Jesus standing in the way of that. But understand, this is what God thinks about this. This is his natural reaction to this. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, slay ye every one his men that were joined unto bel Peor. So Moses is getting ready to execute this order. And behold, at that time, one of the children of Israel... Came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Listen to this in our day and age. Imagine that we know the, um, we understand male and female. Our world does not. Imagine then I go out that door and I come back in with one of these people dressed up like a clown pretending to be the opposite sex, all right? And I bring them in here in the middle of what we're trying to do, national repentance. We're praying for our nation. We're on our hands and knees, tears falling for our nation because we understand the judgment of the Lord is coming on us if we allow this filth to continue, right? And I come walking in here with that and I say you have all got to try this out. Look at this. This is just great. That's what now in this example here what he did, he was basically bringing a woman to prostitute herself to all the all his friends. He's like, "Look at this lady I got, she'll do anything you want." And he did that in front of the congregation and Moses. Can you imagine? That's where sin takes you. That is where bad company takes you. That is where a lack of obedience, a lack of repentance. That's where it takes you, a lack of devotion. So here comes Phinehas now and his zeal. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and he took a javelin in his hand, which is like a spear, and he went after that man of Israel into the tent where he'd just taken that woman to prostitute her with all his other brothers and sisters, or whoever went in there, And uh, thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned me away, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them. Then I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. This is a very interesting story. Understand, I'm not advocating a lack. We're not living in Old Testament times. This this scenario is probably not ever going to play out. And I'm not saying that it should. We approach sinners in love. However, I want you to take the lesson from this. You know, we look at this story and we probably automatically think, man, didn't Phineas overreact a little bit? Didn't he jump the gun? He got the go-ahead. Moses is setting up an execution of you know, people that God has condemned. And this guy, he looks out and he's got no time for that. And he's like, man, this guy's already here. And he runs in there and he kills them both. And you know what the Lord said? (laughs) I mean, you just have this nagging feeling. That doesn't seem right. But the Lord said he commended him and he rewarded him. The Lord was impressed by his desire to obey and defend his honor. He was zealous for his sake. That's what got the Lord's attention. A pure heart is going to live and act in a righteous, zealous way. In other words, you're gonna have courage, you're gonna have conviction, and you're gonna have principle. There's an exploding energy, a fervor that is produced by a pure heart motivated by the will to obey God. You know, men used to defend a woman's honor, and you could get yourself killed. If you disrespected a woman, even regardless of if she was a a wife or a daughter, you could get yourself killed in front of a man of principle if you besmirched her honor in any way. And it doesn't mean that you hit her or anything. It could just be the way you talk to her. Can you imagine a society like that? It wasn't that long ago that that's the way things were, but they're not anymore. Now they make songs and movies about besmirching it. Now I ask you, If we can't stand on principle for the physical things like our women in front of us as men, how can we expect to stand for the invisible God and Lord of our life? You know that I don't normally ask uh, these questions and give these kind of illustrations, but it's time. No more beating around the bush about this stuff. This world has got to see men and women of principle, zealous Men and women for the Lord. Men and women who are pure of heart, who are not afraid to do exactly what God told us to do. We know what those things are. Let's be zealous about it. A, man, a person of pure heart is also going to be steadfast. I'm going to look at Paul for that. You know the familiar verse, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul did a lot in his life. Achieved a lot in his life. I mean, he probably could have had such a going away funeral, getting ready to die party, right? He, probably, he could have pulled people from all over the world. Rich people, smart people, uh, farmers, landowners, you name it. Rulers of the land. They knew Paul. And what was important to him, though, was that, man, have I have I've kept going. I don't need anything other than to know within myself that I'm about to stand before God and I did not quit. A pure heart does not quit. A pure heart is not slothful in the work of God. A pure heart doesn't need or want to take breaks from godly living. I see this as a problem. We take our little breaks, don't we? We're in the middle of the race. We get a little tired. and I really work hard not to reference the Air Force anymore because I don't particularly care to, but I remember being in the Air Force. We had our PT test, right, and we had to run, and you had to run in a certain amount of time and for a certain distance, and we would get around, and those of us who were motivated, it was a race. You know, we wanted the best time. I hurt myself many times. I've got, I had surgery on my knee, tearing my, uh, my meniscus, Sprinting out a run that I shouldn't have done, but then there you'd finish, All right, And your time is what it is. And there inevitably is somebody out there, and what they're doing is they're moving about that fast. I stayed in place, right? And then they'll run a little bit when they they're told they're about to get kicked out of the Air Force because they're overweight and they can't run, can't stay fit, and they'll do it again. As soon as you turn your back, they're walking. And we would all look at them and we'd say, you are not fit to be in the Air Force. God forbid that you have to carry me off a battlefield. You can't carry yourself five feet. Now apply that to spiritual things. And think for a minute. What does God think about our little breaks in living a godly life? Done such a good job this week been listening, been praying, I sang, participated in something in the worship service, just had a friend call, they wanna go to the club, I'm probably gonna drink. Well, done a good job, I can take this little break, God will understand. I actually heard somebody one time who was challenged by another, they were a Christian, being challenged by another Christian, they were about to do something they shouldn't have done, it was pretty serious. And they said, I know you're right, but I just think God will forgive me, I can just ask him for forgiveness. And uh, couldn't really say that's untrue, but baffled by that mindset. Taking breaks is a sign of an impure heart. And, you know, notice that Paul referred to his course in other places as a race, meaning he figuratively ran as opposed to walking. In other words, he wanted to get there. He would have been okay if he just kept moving forward, right? But sometimes when you have an opportunity to slow down, do you take it or do you wear yourself out for the Lord? It's something that I think we just periodically have to ask ourselves because it's a matter of the heart as to what we choose to do. Paul kept his eyes on the finish line. He pushed through. As a result, his heart remained pure. And then there's study, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. You have to plan to stay pure, don't you? You have to think on it. You have to dwell on it. I've got news for you. You never stop planning, thinking, or moving towards something in life. It's just that if you aren't studying to show yourself approved as a workman unto God, then you are studying... The ways of sin it's one or the other we don't get to switch your minds off we don't get to switch or focus off hit the pause button on our life you're focused on one or the other life really is black and white why do you think you hear all the time well it's not it's not so simple as that it's not black and white there's there's things you have to consider no there's not it's either a or b with god it's either Here or there, it's either sin or God's word. Trust me. And if your Bible has become your phone, your computer, your game, or anything else, you are studying that. That is what you are growing and feeding yourself off of. And don't we all do that now? It's so hard. This is what I was talking to Ethan about. I'm like, man, I just... You sometimes wonder as a parent, what is the right thing to do? Say absolutely no, and then, you know, you're, you're struggling, you're fighting with your kid, they kind of hate you. Or do you say, well, I'm going to, I'll give you a little leeway, and then they start taking all the rope and sewing themselves new rope. You're amazing how industrious kids can be when it comes time to get what they want, right? And so you're always in this back and forth, and it makes me think, man, is this what I'm like for God. Is this what he thinks about me, that I am always putting my study and focus on other things, and he's always having to go to my face like that? Oh, my goodness. I think think that is what happens to me and to you all the time. You have to study. Get a Bible. Don't just read it on your phone. One day you may not have that. You have no way to verify the words that are in there. You may think you do, but get yourself a Bible and use it. Read it. Look at it every day. I remember one time hearing about tithing, and some guy was saying, well, think about what God was asking Israel to do. He wanted you to pay one penny out of every dime or 10 cents out of every dollar or whatever it may be. And I apply that concept to my study that there is a minimum I will not do less than on a daily basis. Unfortunately, sometimes that's all I do. But if you don't establish a minimum, for example, I'm going to read that Bible every morning before I get started. That's it. That's first things first. If you're in my house, there's two things. First things first, read your Bible, brush your teeth. Um, don't come out and do anything else to include eat until you've done those things. Um, but I don't, I don't always enforce it because, you know, some of this is a matter of the heart and decisions that you have to make and life that you live and lessons that you're going to learn from that. But I'm here to tell you, take the time to give God that one penny's worth of your time out of all the time that he gives you to study his word. It's the only way you can keep a pure heart. Um, and then most importantly, if you want a pure heart, you must have love. 1 Corinthians 13, one through 3 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, or love, it profits me nothing. Let me tell you a secret about love or doing things and having a pure heart, feeling good about what you're doing, you know, your conscience. If you do things out of love, you're going to have so much less stress and conflict in your life, whatever it may be. Children, as we are talking, we'll just continue the theme about the cell phone. If you're going to limit your time on the cell phone, maybe it would be helpful for you to think, I'm not doing this because I like it. I'm doing it because I love my parents or I love God. And if you don't feel that kind of love, now you know you need to do some investigation because something's wrong if you love your phone more than your parents or God. If you have ulterior motives when you're serving the church or doing a good deed or maybe you're doing all six of the things we just went through you're obeying you're repenting you're studying you're zealous you're devoted all these things but you're not doing it out of love you're checking blocks you're doing it for perception for image so that other people can see your righteousness if you're doing that then it will have the opposite effect it will not produce a pure heart it will produce an impure heart because You're a hypocrite because you're not truly devoted to God. Love has to be behind everything that we do. Another thing I was telling Ethan when it comes to limiting stuff is like, you know, if you could get in my heart, you'd know the last thing I want to do is tell you no. I wish I could trust you and and the world not to self-destruct. And I could just tell you yes all the time. And you know, I really believe God's the same way. I really don't think God is the type who enjoys saying no. We know that because the scripture tells us that the law was meant to be a schoolmaster for our good. That's what the dietary law, is. what it was all about. The Sabbath was not made for man, or let see, man was not made for the Sabbath But the Sabbath was made for man. God wants to tell us yes, but He's not ever going to be the reason why we hurt ourselves. Because He loves us. That's what motivates all the times He says no. He's not saying it because He's like, oh, goody, (laughs) get to tell them no. God's not that way. He gave us everything, the perfect environment when it all started. And then Satan came along. All right, now the second part of our text verse says, you know, it said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, they shall see God. Let's have a couple of things to say about that and then we're going to wrap up here. Um, you realize one day with a pure heart, if you have a pure heart, you know what this verse is saying? Is that you're going to, we're all going to stand before God someday. Isaiah was going to, and so are we. Now, what Isaiah said when he saw God Isaiah 6, verse 5. Prior to that, he's seeing the Lord on his throne, it says. Then said I, Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why is he saying woe is me? For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He was filled with dread. He was scared. He didn't have Jesus at that time. He knew that he and the people of Israel could not stand. They had no righteousness to stand before God. And so he said, woe is me, I am undone. The beautiful thing about Jesus' words in our text verse is that someday, if we're pure of heart, we will see God just as Isaiah did, only we will face God in confidence through Christ with excitement rather than being in Isaiah's position of dread. It's worth it to allow the Holy Spirit to create a pure heart in you. The pure in heart shall see Jesus. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Pure in heart is going to see Jesus. They're going to see him as the returning king. And the last thing the pure in heart are going to hear something wonderful when they stand before God. Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, this is in the parable of the talents, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. As I get older, there's two things I think about that I want. If God would give me these two things, I'd be happy. and never ask for another thing again, and I'd put up with the lack of everything else. Those two things are, I want my kids in heaven with me, and I want to stand before the Lord and hear him say these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. In other words, it's really, I did all the work, but you submitted to me to do it. Well done that's all that matters but you won't ever get there if you don't have a pure heart if you'd rather go do the opposite of the things we've talked about tonight just know that's planting the seeds of corruption it's a surefire way to have an impure heart it's not if you will it's when you will Charles Stanley I think it was He said that sin will always take you further than you wanted to go longer. It'll make you stay longer than you wanted to stay there. And there's a third part of that. I can't remember it. Cost you more than you were willing to pay. That's so true. And if you could go into it with your eyes open, you would not do it, right? The problem with sin is you don't go into it with your eyes open. It's a shiny thing that Satan got your focus on and you don't realize you're walking toward the edge of a cliff. And the thing about a cliff is when you fall off, there's a fall. Work on having a pure heart. The world's pulling us in a lot of weird ways right now. We have got to start being a little bit more zealous and a little bit more focused and a little bit more um, ready. I think, to do the things that are required on a daily basis to maintain our pure hearts. It's not a given. Pure hearts are not a given. They are a possibility through the work of the Holy Spirit thanks to the work of Jesus Christ in your life. But you can choose every day to go live like you're lost. And if you do that, um, just remember, you're going to stand before the Lord. So... Um, I just want to close with this one verse here. Uh, I kind of already said this. I'm just going to repeat it because it's in my conclusion. In the parable of the talents, the, the Lord, he entrusted time and resources to his servants. Not the world. You realize that was written to his servants. And he told them to do certain things. And when they didn't do it, some were, it said they were going to go where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, he's done the same with you and I. We've been given time, talent, treasure, the church, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Let's seek to obey, repent when we fail, devote our lives to God's work. Be zealous, not uh, half-hearted or lukewarm as we go about living our lives for the Lord. Be steadfast, don't be a quitter, don't be a break-taker. And let's remember 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. The lesson is before you. If there's anyone that uh, has come prepared to be baptized or uh, would like the prayers of the church for anything, now is the time to come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.